You have to trust that the dots will somehow connect in your future. You have to trust in something. Your gut, destiny, life, karma, whatever. Stay hungry. Stay hungry, stay foolish. Welcome to E-Commerce All-Stars, brought to you by Nadimo.com, where we help e-commerce entrepreneurs accelerate growth through modern technology and innovative thinking. Hey everyone, thanks for joining today's show with your host Brandon Moscow, of course, and today I'm excited we have Ben Crudo on the line. He's the uh, CEO and founder of Diff Agency. Um, they do a lot of work in the e-commerce space. I'll let him explain and elaborate a lot on that. Um, but I think it's going to be an excellent conversations we're going to have today uh, surrounding the back-end operations and the, the, the components that too many online sellers ignore. Um, and we're going to probably have a little bit more of a tech spin on it because Ben and I kind of both have a similar background in regards to uh, uh, a lot of the uh, integrations and development side of, of the e-commerce world. So welcome to the show, Ben. Thank you so much for having me, Brandon. Yeah, I think it's going to be an excellent conversation, um, and we're going to talk a lot about the meat and potatoes of uh, the back-end operations that people ignore. And, and the thing about that is is because people ignore it, there's a lot of opportunity, in my opinion, to, to really scale your business and, and put it in a position where you can excel and, and grow past your your competitors who are ignoring these areas. So I think it'll be a very interesting topic to talk about today. That said, I agree. I'm stoked. Awesome. That said, before we get started, I'd just like to get give, let you give people a little bit better background and information on who you are and, and, and what you're doing and what got you started with Diff Agency, and then we'll jump right into the topic. Okay, sounds good. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll give you guys the uh, the brief rundown. Uh, it's uh, it's definitely a lifetime uh, in the making here for me to get to where I am. Uh, I think the you know the way that I can summarize it best is that uh, I'm a former retailer uh, turned software engineer uh, and then turned once more uh, e-commerce expert. So. Uh, came up through a family business, jean business. Dad had about 55 stores up here in Eastern Canada. And I uh, really grew up in and around uh, uh, the clothing business running at, you know, decent sized scale. Uh, and through those kind of trials and tribulations, I recognized the value of technology in keeping a company operating at scale, uh, running smoothly. And I became really, really um, frustrated with the information systems that we had, our point of sale system wasn't cutting it. And I always felt like I was working harder than my point of sale system was, which didn't make any sense to me. I thought it was always supposed to be the other way around that the computer is supposed to work harder to give us the results that we need. So <laughs> being a young guy, really forward thinking, uh, I had tons of ideas, uh, didn't know, very insecure, you know, about how to kind of implement any of them. And if they were all possible, started working with a lot of consultants, hiring them uh, to, to come into our company, helping modify the systems. And, uh, you know, a few years into pursuing these types of projects, I kind of realized that I was much more passionate about crafting technological solutions to solve the problems than I was sort of solving the problem itself and then getting the answer. And that's when I left the business. I went back to Concordia University up here in Montreal uh, and got a software engineering degree. 
Uh, so on the way out, uh, graduated at a good time, and uh, around 2011-12, uh, Shopify had uh, been around for a little bit, but it wasn't particularly well known at the time. Um, and I had done a couple of consulting gigs to throw up e-commerce sites uh, on the platform. Really enjoyed the experience. I thought technically the uh, the system was really easy to kind of consume and understand, and it gave really good results to my merchant clients. So uh, Shopify Experts luckily came out uh, in 2011, November, and I was one of the first guys that got to participate in that ecosystem. And I kind of fought tooth and nail to sort of claw my way to the top uh, in order to remain in favor and, uh, been pursuing that ever since. So grown the agency from being a one man band, a one man consultant. Uh, today we have about, uh, 90 or so people at the company and, uh, plenty of open positions. So it's been a really, really great ride, uh, and a nice story to tell in the Shopify ecosystem. Very interesting. Um, I won't get into a debate on Shopify because we could certainly have one, you and I, I'm sure, um, because I'm more of an open source agency. So that all said, <laughs> we'll skip over that. And, um, and uh, congratulations on your, your, you know, what you've done there with that. Uh, and that's fantastic. Thanks, Brandon. I think I got, I think we just nailed our next topic for a follow-up, yeah, uh, which is platform wars. <laughs> Exactly, and and I have no problem having that conversation, but <laughs> I think we'll we'll steer clear of that one for now. Um, that all said, what we were going to talk about today was the back end operations, um, and, and you know the areas that people t tend to ignore. And you have identified three of those, and I, I really agree with three of, with those three. So I thought it would be a great opportunity for us to discuss that. Um, debate where there's debate and have conversation around it. And the three areas that you've identified um, were customer service and fulfillment. Um, and there's plenty of pain points there that are, you know, easily felt by most merchants uh, as they scale. But um, there's also one other one which we'll bring back in at the end, which is the accounting side. Um, so I'd love to hear your thoughts on uh, customer service and then and, and fulfillment and accounting but we'll, we'll kind of follow it in that order and, and go from there okay right on yeah i mean i think these are uh areas of the business where we don't really kind of think ahead too often uh when we're smaller sized businesses because they're typically thought of as sort of problems that are luxuries you have to kind of graduate the business to a certain level in order to have these things become such time-consuming activities. Uh, and, and so it's very tempting, I think, oftentimes to sort of consider these, these issues when, when they become hot-button topics and when you realize that you can't fulfill out of your you know, facility nearly enough orders to keep up with the demand uh, during a given period, or you kind of wait for the phone to be ringing off the hook or your email inbox to be piling up uh, with a huge queue until you say, man, you know, I need to staff customer service. 
uh, and accounting also is, um, you know, the one that's really easy to sort of leave by the wayside because as entrepreneurs, we're often so focused on just trying to make the money in the first place. And we have more or less an idea uh, of where we're headed. Uh, but uh, I, I think I would argue that knowing with certainty and planning for that um, is a huge strategic advantage uh, in any business. Yeah, I would agree. Maybe we can uh, um, with that. So I was going to say, maybe we can you know, dig into customer service also, because, you know, when I was sort of reflecting on the topic, uh, just the nature of customer service, it seems like it's a reactionary thing. Um, you know, like a customer has got to have an issue, and then they're going to put something through a channel, and they're going to kind of expect uh, a response uh, from the company. Uh, is that is that a fair way? Do you think a lot of people think about uh, customer service in that regard? Well, I was just going to say, too, exactly that. Like, with customer service, it's almost one of those things where, it, like you said, it's reactionary. So, you know, you start your business starts to grow and grow, um, and, you know, in some cases, as it's growing, your first pain point might even be fulfillment. Um, but in general, your customer service department doesn't grow. It stays the same size, whether that be however many people it is. And then all of a sudden you start having problems, you know, with, whether that just be your response time from your customer service department or as your business is growing, you, you're one of your products is, is posing a problem with how it's being fulfilled or, or whatever the issue might be. And you don't have the resources or the technology uh, in place to, to uh, address it quickly. And then what ends up happening is you're firefighting. And the second you find yourself in a firefighting position, trying to put out all the fires of poor customer service, you've lost customers, which would be much better if you were proactive in your customer service side of things. And you know you're seeing these, this growth in your business. And so then you take on an extra, some extra costs if you need to or do what you need to to put the proper infrastructure in place to grow your, your customer service first that you don't end up with those issues because when you end up with problems on the customer service side, like I said, you lose customers, you get negative reviews, which honestly is one of the worst things because the second you start getting negative reviews, trying to come back from that, even if you have a negative review out there on whichever platform it is, Yelp, uh, anything, Amazon, wherever, that negative review is seen it could be several years old, but people don't necessarily pay attention to when it was. They see that there was a problem. Um, and so that one negative outweighs the positive so many times over that you need to stay on top of customer service, in my opinion, uh, right from the get-go. I totally agree. It's a great you know, point about the, there's clearly incentives for making upset customers not upset anymore. Uh, and I guess, you know, where I would kind of ask the question uh, a little more introspectively is what is the goal of customer service? Why are we doing this? Is it just to help customers who have complaints? Is it to be purely reactionary uh, as a kind of cost of doing business? Uh, or is there uh, kind of a larger mantra uh, 
that can be associated uh, with the org and the way that we think about it. And I would argue that there's room to be proactive on the customer service side as well. Uh, and I think the overall goal of every organization should be to learn as much as possible from every single customer interaction that you have. If you've satiated a customer's complaint, but you haven't learned anything about your business that you could then apply, you've only helped secure a single sale. But if your goal is to build a longer term business that can keep growing and scaling, I think you need to consider it from a larger perspective. And uh, so, go on. You awesome. Can I just cut you well, off. I'm glad we're on the same page. No, that's that's good. If we don't have agreement there, you know, <laughs> I may not want to buy stuff from you. <laughs> Me neither of you. <laughs> so, I mean, I think it's you know, customer service is it's such a reactionary uh, thought process, and the problem with that process is you miss out on growing your relationships with your existing customers. And, and anybody in in business, well, anybody in sales knows that you're going to get more repeat. It's easier to sell to an existing customer than it is to, uh, to find a new one. one. Yeah. And, and the, on top of that, if you layer it one extra level, you know, if you, you get a customer um, and you just, you just do a regular outreach. I mean, you find ways that, you know, it's not even selling to them, but making them happy, you know, like, you know, depending on your business model, but you may not even be offering a sale. Obviously that's your, your goal uh, in the end is to generate sales off of them, but find ways to engage with your existing customers on a regular basis. That allows them to keep you top of mind. It allows you to, to grow that relationship, that build, to continuously build and, and reinforce that level of trust and certainty that is absolutely required to make a sale. And so, if you're doing that, that's the, in my opinion, that's the opposite way of thinking about customer service than what most companies do, which is, oh, we have more complaints coming in, or we we need to address the complaint. Instead of addressing complaints spend that effort on making them extremely happy so that when there is a complaint, they don't go to social media. They'll come to you and say, hey, you know, I just bought this product and it's not like you guys, but, you know, this was broken or whatever. And you say, oh, okay, we'll take care of it right away. And then it doesn't even become a, an issue where the customer's disappointed or upset that something's broken because it's the last thing that they'd expect from you. Um, and it's just, that's just my. That's I'd agree, and for me, those are. Service. I think for me, those are table stakes these days. For you to be able to just react quickly and efficiently with a relevant response to your customer, I think is the minimum we all need to be doing uh, yeah. to to say that we're in business. Because, you know, the world is getting smaller. Everything is being commoditized which means that the product alone that you're selling is likely able to be purchased somewhere else. 
Yep. And so what does, what does that mean for your company? How do you establish, create a better connection with clients so that you can achieve uh, having a loyal relationship, a loyal customer out of that, uh, that will give you a, a much stronger customer lifetime value than just uh, commodity shoppers or price-based shoppers would. Well, exactly. Um, and I mean, even if you're talking to price-based shoppers, because to be honest with you, I am typically one of them. Give me the best price and I'm going to buy it from you. But the truth is, is as as I, you know, I might buy it, something on sale from somewhere, online, offline, what have you. But if I find that, that you're giving me extra in regards to that customer service and and whatnot, then I start becoming more loyal to you. And and then all of a sudden, those extra, an extra couple bucks isn't going to make a difference to me because I'm not going to switch because I know what I'm getting from someone. Um, and so it's just one of those things. Like you can win over price-based shoppers if even if you're not the lowest price. Um, and I mean, there's just so many things on that level of customer service. And so when you scale your business, you need to make sure that you're keeping that in mind, uh, is my opinion. And I mean, I totally agree. And maybe, can you point to some obvious examples of things that retailers did that just, you know, said where you found yourself saying to yourself, I'm actually impressed right now by the way that they're handling me. Oh, you're putting me on the spot. I've had so many of those examples lately, and then I've had so many of the opposite. <laughs> uh, right. So let me start with an opposite because one of them would be I walk into a store. I spend all this time looking for everything I need. I very rarely get, can I help you? Um, this typically happens in a specific box store, and if you've listened to my show enough, you've probably heard me mention the name, but I'm trying not to mention custom, uh, names of those when I complain. But anyway, so you go in, you shop, you spend an hour in the store trying to find what you need. You finally find it or don't find it. And then you get to the tills, and you're standing there in the longest lineup possible um, and spending as much or more time in your lineup. Then you finally get to the till. They ask you if you found everything you need because it's just a generic question they're asking. And there's no genuinity or anything to that. And I understand why from their perspective. It's what they're told to say, and they're just there to ring you through. Um, that kind of experience is easy to walk away and go and find another price better or not even care and pay more somewhere else because you're getting a, a very impersonal experience. Now, there's a local business in town, and I'm going to use a retail experience because I find that retail is the easiest way to explain some of the experiences I've had. Um, but I've also had similar ones online. But where I walk in, I need a part for, I've got an old Land Rover, right? So finding the parts for that aren't easy. So, in fact, actually, I'll take it back one level. I called them up because they unfortunately don't have an e-commerce store set up yet <laughs> i say yet because i'm sure i'm going to be approaching them on it but anyway um <laughs> what uh 
the thing about it is, is I call them up or I go into the store and I say, hey, I need this part. And they'll look it up and they'll spend a lot of effort trying to find that part. If they don't find the part, they'll give me different phone numbers of different competitors of theirs or whomever to try. They'll give me the exact part number so I can look it up online and maybe source it out of, you know, out of the U.S. or, or out of, a, you know, another area that I need to source it from online. They'll go above and beyond, even though they're not making that sale, right? And they've even been—I've even been known to go into the store looking for a couple, you know, simple couple of bolts, and they just say, "Take them, you know, get us back later." Um, and that type of level of of customer service is is just outstanding to me. Um, and I think if you just you could easily duplicate that exact same experience online. Um, in many, many ways, and it's just—it's really just that one-on-one -on -one level of personal, of person to person, and caring, putting the customer first. That has really put me to always—that's my first place to go. Um, there's other places in town, but that's the first place I'm going to go, and probably typically the last place because I don't—you know—they're just—they've typically can help me out either by telling me if it ends up being go online and get it from here and here's your part number you need then great um, and that's just what I've found like that is what speaks to me is when the company is willing to put forth that effort and just even if it's not equating to a sale for them at that time guess what that does that brings me back in their door to ask them next time I need something um, and they'll probably get that sale then unless they don't have that part either I totally, totally agree. And, um, you know, I think you've, you've definitely hit a lot of the high points that, you know, we kind of feel as human beings. Uh, and um, I, I think, you know, we can kind of see the way that these things in real life sort of translate into online experiences as well. Or maybe we can kind of help point that out. But something that you've mentioned and that I, you know, completely agree with, I feel the exact same way is that when you're having an impersonal experience with a company, you can't help but feel like uh, they don't care about you. And if they don't care about you, then why are you going to care about them? And if neither of you care about each other, then we're just going to keep reducing it to you know, the want. And maybe the want is just the product at the right price, and my fidelity to your company, to your brand, to that purchase is going to be based purely on that. But as you mentioned, uh, th there's no other hook or reason to consider continuing to do business with these people because you don't feel like you're in a meaningful relationship with the company. They're just, you know, commodity vendors and you just happen to be a customer in that moment and, and that's it. And that sums up the whole relationship. Exactly. And that I think does and that, yeah, and that, that doesn't endear brands and companies uh, to you. Oh, uh, and, and so, so another thing you mentioned is showing a little bit of extra effort to be helpful. The Land Rover dealer doesn't have the bolts that you need. They gave you a bunch of resources that you could use to help find those, those, those products elsewhere. They don't care if they didn't get the sale. They cared to make you happy. They showed you goodwill. And 
human nature is such that we like to reciprocate. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the interesting thing about reciprocity is that we will reciprocate good feelings that we get from you, and we'll also reciprocate bad feelings that we get. Uh, <laughs> yes. Which is the danger. It is the but danger. But to, 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 to put a tech spin you know, on what we've just talked about and how this offline sort of analogy translates into online. I mean, the impersonal experience, I think, um, you know, I, th- I think one thing we're going to laugh about in the future is, you know, we're, we're going to sit back in a few years and say, hey, remember when, you know, me and grandma used to go to the same website and when you'd load the homepage, I saw the same stuff on the web page on the website as grandma did. Like, how ridiculous was that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's not like you're walking into a storefront where they, they everything is the same for everybody. Now we can personalize that. Exactly. That starts yeah. to be the point, is we can have, we can build up a little bit of memory of who you are. You can log in. You can identify who you are. We know what you're interested in. We know what you like. Well, you know, the next step is, do something about it, right? You walk into the department store, the guy sees, you know, uh, uh, for instance, me, you know, uh, a man walk in, he ain't going to walk me over to the ladies' section as his first instinct or take me by the perfume counter. He's going to usher me over to menswear uh, right away. And I'm going to appreciate that because that's probably in line with what I want, where I want to go and what I want to do. Or so so starting... Or he's just going to ask you what you're looking for, and you're going to say, oh, I'm looking for a dress for my wife or for some jewelry for my wife, and he's going to go, oh, ding, 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 I was going to take him to the wrong section, and he takes you over there. And uh, Absolutely. And, and that level of te- technology can get you there, can it not? I, I think that it can. Uh, I think that it absolutely can. Uh, if we were shopping, you know, I love the department store paradigm as an online store because they kind of have everything. And so from a personalization standpoint, it's the biggest challenge to figure out what I may be interested at that time. Uh, but you may know already that I'm a man, that I'm logged into the site. I've indicated that I'm interested in women's wear. Well, I'm probably looking for something that's giftable. I'm not, you know, likely going to be the one that's going to be putting that on. So maybe show me the more giftable women. Gifts for her, for instance, first, before you, you know, show me, show me the rest of things. So I think there are ways that we can pick up on cues of intentions and contextualizing the site to, to um, the active user uh, and, and making that experience more efficient for them. I would agree. Um, and that's the thing, and that's exactly right. Like, um, still today, a lot of the sites you go to, and you'd mentioned that still a lot of the sites you go to, you end up going to that site and you're seeing the same page as, as your wife is or your, you know, your five-year-old son, if we both loaded it up side by side and we logged in or whatever, right? Um, maybe not the best of examples, but like your grandma example is a better one. But that said, um, that is the case now. And like you said, in the future, we're all going to laugh about that because, well, why did we see that? Because that's not what I needed to see. Um, 
And the other side of that too, though, is, is, you know, we're reaching a point now where technology is, is much more able to do these sorts of things so that initially e-commerce was, oh, the, the draw to e-commerce was you can buy anytime you want. Um, and the store is never closed. Uh, that was one of the attractions. I mean, there's many more attractions to e-commerce than just that. Um, but that was one of the attractions. And so as you scale, though, then do you need to have a customer service agent available to you all the time? Or what are your thoughts on, like, chatbots and that sort of thing? I'm just curious. Yeah, so I, uh, I'm i a big fan, obviously, of technology. Yeah. Uh, but I'm also a technological skeptic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, you know, don't really... Uh, fully agree with a lot of the promises that are made by platforms that that don't really deliver, especially ones whose websites are jam-packed with buzzwords like AI and machine learning and junk like that. I, I like to see sort of demonstrated value through the use of the products. And so, right. you know, Customer service is, is a hard thing to scale, and we talked about, you know, there's, there's two ways of looking at customer service. On the one side, I would argue that there's proactive customer service. There's things we can do to go out of our way to delight customers in the experience, and then there's things that we need to do in order to react to customer inquiries that come in. And so, you know, providing great customer service in a proactive way, I think, does touch on the importance of personalization. I think it does underscore the value of going out of your way to craft a great user experience, focusing on your conversion rate and trying to increase that all the time, uh, because that can bring very powerful uh, results to your bottom line. If you double your conversion rate, you double your sales. It doesn't mean you doubled your traffic or your costs associated necessarily. So that's a fine kind of sticking point, but one that has a huge potential impact. And then on the backside, uh, I think there are great tools out there as well that can help us kind of respond in those reactive settings to customers more quickly and be more organized on our side. And one of the platforms that I'm currently most excited about Uh, You'll have to forgive me. I am skewed a little bit more toward the Shopify ecosystem, although I think we're all seeing. Go on. That's totally fine. I was just saying that's totally fine. I mean, I want to hear your thoughts on it, on the technology aspect of all of it. um, Thank you for your forgiveness. We will have a platform debate for sure because I've had it come up a few times recently. Oh, good. I I will make a nice roundtable. Um, but, but I think we're seeing that a lot of the tools that are successful in the Shopify ecosystem are kind of starting to, you know, become uh, sort of multi-platform products. And one of the ones that I really liked, which I think stands in contrast to some of the older tools, you know, so the first thing that, that like the ways the customers are going to reach out and get service, you're going to, you know, they're either going to call you, uh, they're going to access you, uh, through a live chat. Uh, they're going to complain on social media, perhaps, or reach out there. Uh, and most typically, they're going to send an email in. And uh, I think the worst thing that you can do from an organizational standpoint 
is have some generic email address like info at my company, whatever.com, uh, in order to respond uh, to people there. Uh, so, so what most people typically do is get uh, a Zendesk uh, in place, uh, which is, uh, I think, a pretty basic kind of solution, but at least what it helps to do is, you know, get the messages into a platform where one or potentially multiple people can actually see what's going on. So that's the first good step to organizing yourself and providing great service is pooling this information in a systematic way so that it doesn't get lost in an inbox or spam filter uh, or an employee who quit, uh, you know, and, and then that kind of uh, information disappears. So, so getting that platform is, is helpful. The problem, I think, with the, the uh, bare bones customer service tooling are that all the value that they're really providing is in sort of just organizing everything in one place. So that's great. You've got a whole bunch of, you know, essentially mail, and now it's organized into a nice, neat inbox for you, but you still got to dig through it. You still got to take the time to respond to each customer individually. And uh, the tool that I really like at the moment, uh, it's called Gorgeous. And what they've done, which I think is clever, is put together a rule-based system uh, that allows automatic responses to come out of the system based on keywords and common complaints and sort of workflows that you can craft so that you can answer more customers' inquiries uh, without needing to personally look at them, but without sacrificing the quality of the message and content that's being sent out. So I think that's a really great use of technology of, you know, machine language processing and of rule-based systems to truly cut down on the amount of, of manual labor that you have uh, to, to do uh, in order to keep up with the queue. And I think there's similar products that you'll see in the chat space as well. Sorry, you want to jump in there, Brandon? Oh, no, I was just saying that's a very cool solution. Um, and I'm always a big fan of, you know, your rule-based type solutions and that sort of thing because then you're the one creating the rules and, telling, you know, essentially kind of guiding it, if nothing else, um, so that it can respond accordingly. Um, and, and yeah, with the Zendesk type of integration, I think that's, like, that's a CRM platform, so to speak. So, I mean, those types of things are absolutely critical, I think, for your customer service team. Um and as you build more, as more and more B2B sites come online, it's going to be critical to have um, the CMS platforms in there for, for the sales teams to be able to manage and, and whatnot um, their ongoing um, leads and that sort of thing as well. Um, that said, um, just for the sake of, of time, I'm going to jump over to um, accounting because it's kind of a, a segue in its own sense, because we were talking about integrations. And I think when you talk about accounting being an afterthought, I'll let you elaborate a little bit from your perspective. But my opinion there is that I've had a lot of customers, and we, we can always go through a platform uh, move or a complete rebuild of their site or what have you. Um, and the, the thing that's always never, it's never on their radar. Um, is accounting and then accounting integration and to me it, it makes no sense because 
um, accounting in, in one form or fashion is going to end up being input into a system somewhere for your accounting, for your accountants, whether you're they're in-house or external. And then you're going to, and so why not be taking all of this data that you already have in a digital form from your e-commerce store and push it through into your accounting system? Um, now, so, I mean, it's as much more, it's maybe not as simplified as that when you really get to brass tacks, but the whole thought process for me is, is that, you know, it should be integrated in some form or fashion with your accounting system instead of the old school templates, uh, templates, the old school, uh, uh, now I'm stuck on words, Excel spreadsheets, spreadsheets that sort of thing. You right. know? We should be so far away from that stuff now, but we're not. Um, but anyway, just uh, like your thoughts on accounting and how much of an afterthought you've seen it to be and that sort of thing. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, it's it's really the last thought that any of our customers typically have. And we always make sure that we bring up, you know, the impacts of accounting and reporting on our customers whenever we're focusing on any mandate to make sure that we're covered on that end. And frankly, it, I think it's an afterthought because there's nothing to account for unless you've sold something and it takes so much time and energy <laughs> to be able to figure out a what to sell and b how to sell it you kind of feel like accounting's not a problem and it should be really simple but it's i think one of the most important activities uh actually that any company uh embarks on and needs to take very seriously um after all companies are not made uh generally to improve our health uh, or lifestyle, they're, they're mechanisms by which we can engage and, and make a living and make a profit. And so right. not to focus on whether or not that business is delivering on its profit motive, uh, I think is a little bit silly and unfortunately can have uh, disastrous consequences if, God forbid, margins are, aren't where they need to be. Uh, the end of the month comes and, and you're, you're a few pennies short. So. Right. Uh, the, the good news is that accounting doesn't have to be a pain the way it always has been. And I think there are fantastic platforms out there that make it so easy uh, for the average person to do their own bookkeeping on a regular basis uh, and then kind of, you know, maybe work with an accountant once a year to sort of close up the books. But mm. doing the day-to-day -day and keeping your business on track in a consistent way is not nearly as laborious as it used to be. Uh, frankly, one of the accounting platforms that I'm most excited about is called Xero, X-E-R-O. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it's, it's a cloud-based solution. Uh, the company uh, has been around for several years now, working really hard to internationalize the platform. We've been using it at our agency for a number of years now. And what makes it so fantastic, I think, is uh, the user interfaces are great. They're very intuitive. They allow people without any accounting knowledge to be able to sort of use those platforms in a meaningful way and extract information, not just data. But furthermore, as it relates to e-commerce, they have APIs. They are ready to be integrated with and too. And uh, pretty much every e-commerce platform does feature a number of integrations to various accounting systems which means that you don't need to sweat too much in order to figure out how to get all these different systems talking. And that's great. 
because if you can't answer a question with absolute certainty, like how much profit did I make on the last sale, I think there's some opportunity for issues to arise that you may not notice. I don't think it's a guarantee. You may have a really good grip on the business in general, viscerally, but as a business scales, you lose touch with it in many ways. You can't be everywhere at once. You can't monitor every transaction, every customer emotion, every account. And so you start to rely more and more on the information systems to feed you accurate information. And if you delay doing that, uh, you're going to have missed huge opportunities to gleam insights from years past as you're trying to build a picture of your business moving forward. And not to mention the fact, of course, that if uh, you ever want to get financing from a bank or attract an investor, they're going to ask you financial questions about your business. And they'll be really impressed if you're able to sit down, print out a few reports, and share those with them, as opposed to scratching your head, whipping out some wonky spreadsheets, and <laughs> trying to kind of defend your business model through that. Exactly. I would agree entirely. And the thing about what you just mentioned too about APIs, um, that's, that's, I guess that's a big part of why we're big into the open source game because, you know, we're able to tie into those APIs and integrate things fairly easily. Now, I mean, I'm not going to, you can do the same with Shopify in its own ways as well. So it's all the different way of looking at it is all, but Zero, I'm familiar with them. Uh, we actually were asked by them to do an integration for uh, Wombat and Spree many, many years ago. Um, but yeah, they're definitely making waves and will continue to make waves. And, um, and there's a lot of different platforms that are <clears throat> fairly similar that uh, people should should look at. But I mean, I mean, it all comes down to what's going to be the right fit for you and that sort of thing. But the absolute end all be all is you need to have some level of accounting integration in your site because logging into your site and looking at your general dashboard that tells you, okay, we had this many sales this month. doesn't really tell you a whole lot. You need to be able to know like, what is, you know, what are you averaging? Uh, you know, what's your, what are you averaging in, in revenue and, and profit? per product right? Uh, and those types of things. You need to get really drilled down. Um, like so that's what my dad customers. always said. It doesn't matter uh, what you make. It only matters what you keep. Yep, that's so true. Very true. And a lot of people look at it and go, well, we just, you know, we're a, you know, we're a $10 million a year company. Well, that's great. What did you profit? And you dig deeper into that. I mean, I don't know how many shows. You can watch all those investor shows you know, the Shark Tank, the Dragon's Den, whatever you want to watch, and that's what they're going to ask you first. Oh, wow, you did, you know, you did half a million in sales in your first three months. What did you profit? Oh, we lost money. Okay. You know, right. so it's, you can make a lot of sales, but that doesn't equate to, to actual revenue. Um, not revenue. I'm getting the words mixed up now. Now I don't sell. To profit. profit. Yeah, it doesn't equate to profit. Or gain. Exactly. Absolutely. So, awesome. Um, did you have anything else you wanted to throw out there before I ask you for your final words of wisdom? 
I think on the uh, I think that's a good kind of summary, ready to uh, to wrap okay. with you. Okay, so what are your final words of wisdom, and how can people reach you? Yeah, so I guess uh, you know, final words of wisdom that I think every entrepreneur kind of needs to live by is asking yourself the question every day on every task that you're pursuing. You know, essentially, is what I'm doing now bringing the most amount of value? To my business and if the answer to that is no and the solution is to throw money at the problem then what you're facing is not really a problem as much as it is an expense so don't delude yourself and be you know penny wise and pound foolish uh, there, you know, if you can pay a few bucks to get an accounting platform and a few bucks a month to get it integrated to your e-com site, and that saves you hours of copy paste, that's great. If you can get a customer service tool that costs a few bucks more a month than just having email alone, but that can answer 30% of your tickets in an automated way, that's fantastic. If you're getting bogged down in your garage, uh, fulfilling orders, and you know there's a big spike coming, and you're going to have to put a notice on your website that there's a major shipment delay because you can't possibly compete with that, get a third-party logistics provider. Uh, and in terms of ways to, uh, to reach out and reach us, uh, you can find us at uh, hello at diffagency.com. That's a great way to uh, to, to email us directly, uh, or if you want to visit our site, uh, it's simply diffagency.com, and I'll be more than happy to share expertise on Shopify and, and e-commerce in general. And I hope, Brandon, that we do get to reconvene and, and have that platform conversation because there are so many different ways and tools that, that you can kind of come at this with. And mm-hmm. uh, our goal is always to inform uh, our customers uh, on what their different options are and what the benefits may be. So technology is difficult in general to understand, and uh, I think as good consultants and thought leaders out there, informing the people about what they're getting into is us doing our best work. So totally agreed. All right. Well, thanks for being on the show today, and like I said, we'll have you back for a, a platform roundtable or a platform discussion in some form or fashion. I have to figure all that out, but we're definitely doing that. Uh, So thanks again for being with us today, Ben. It was a pleasure. All right. Thank you for having me. You have to trust that the dots will somehow connect in your future. You have to trust in something. Your gut, destiny, life, karma, whatever. Stay hungry. Stay hungry, stay foolish. Welcome to E-Commerce All-Stars, brought to you by Nadimo.com, where we help e-commerce entrepreneurs accelerate growth through modern technology and innovative thinking.